Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning to you. Welcome to Bible Center. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. Honor and a privilege to share the Word of God with you this morning. I got a wave over here if you were wondering. That just wasn't out of the blue. Um, A couple things as we get started this morning. Uh, They just want to kind of keep you updated on. First of all, you heard it if you were here real early that we are moving our service times. And I just want to say thank you to those of you that shared your opinions on that. We sent out a survey um, and it was overwhelming the number of people who said, yes, let's do that. Um, And I would imagine that you called all your friends and said, please vote. Um, and so we, on September 11th, will be moving our service times to two services on a Sunday morning instead of three. Three was a response in many ways to COVID, kind of the era of COVID and trying to minimize the numbers of people that were in the room at the same time. Those of you that were attending in person at the beginning of that will remember the chairs were much different. We would leave all the doors open uh, all the way to the outside if we could. Um, we would encourage you to not really even look at anyone else, much less shake their hand or anything like that. Like those, those days were, were really interesting days. And so the three services was an attempt on our part to minimize the number of people in this room, and it was successful. Uh, so we were able to do that. All three of our services through this season have been very even as far as attendance goes. And so sometimes you'll get one service that's a lot larger than the other, but they've been real, real even as far as attendance goes. Um, And so that's been a success for us. And so now as we start to see, start to see, uh, hopefully the end of the pandemic uh, in our sights, we feel like we can move safely back to two services. And so that's our plan beginning on September 11th. So 9.30 will be our first service and it will be just like this one. It'll be our multi-generational service. You heard Mary Beth talk about our desire to get the choir back up and going. That was a casualty of the COVID era as well as group singing was really frowned upon uh, during that season. So we're hopeful to kind of regrow that choir ministry and to be able to have that available beginning on September 11th as part of our 9.30 service. WCHS has worked with us and they are moving our broadcast from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock. And so that'll begin on September 11th. So our modern service will be at 11 and it'll be on TV at 11 live on television at 11 o'clock. And so it's, it's uh, been fabulous how all of that has come together. We're gonna kick off our year of ministry on September 11th. So that all worked well, really well together. So September 11th is what we're gonna call a Vision Sunday. We're gonna talk about where God's taking us, where we see that God is gonna take us over the next year as a ministry, as a church. And so you're gonna wanna be part of that. It's gonna be an exciting morning together uh, on September 11th. So I'd invite you here for Vision Sunday on September 11th. Second thing, uh, many of you have given uh, items uh, and or financially to support those in Kentucky who have gone through just some tragedy here recently. And so first of all, again, thank you. Um, Bible Center continues to be generous in those ways. As soon as we put out a call in any way, in that type of thing, there's a response, just an immediate response. All through the week, people drop things off. Um, And so this past week, uh, Jason Cantrell is the director at the Union Mission and Troy McClung, who works at the mission, but is also one of our elders, took two trucks down to Kentucky and dropped off supplies at a camp that we're partnering with um, through David Mintern. Uh, called Camp Nathaniel. And so they're a staging ground and, 
and they're a community area basically for that, that area. And Jason called me on his way home just in tears, um, just telling me about the gratefulness of the people who were there and how they received the donations that you gave. He, he remarked that in particular, the box fans made a massive impact because it's not something that you think about normally. Normally it's pallets of water and things like that. But when they saw box fans, they lost it. Um, and so you can imagine trying to go through the summer without air conditioning and all of that. And so that was an immediate, oh my goodness, thank you so much. Um, and so he shared uh, what's going on on the ground there. Um, and so update from us, we are working through this Wednesday receiving donations. And so our next trip, we're gonna cut that off on Wednesday. So if you're planning on doing that, we'd like to be part of that. I encourage you to do that by Wednesday. You can just bring them by the church, set them right out here in the lobby, and that'll be part of us supporting those in Kentucky. So thank you for indulging me with a couple of church-related things, um, but some great things going on here at Bible Center in these days. We're gonna go to Ephesians chapter two this morning. Ephesians chapter two. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, you're gonna wanna turn to Ephesians chapter two. We're gonna bounce around a little bit like we have over the past several weeks. Uh, but we'll be anchored in Ephesians chapter two and we'll continue to come back there. So that's a good place for us to land um, as we begin this, the third message on the Holy Spirit. Again, not a topic that we talk about often uh, at length, like we have through this summer. I've really enjoyed the way that this has been presented. So we looked a lot at who he is and then what he does. And, and today we're gonna look a little more practically at how does that affect us? on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, in our life, how does the Holy Spirit affect us? How is he part of what we are doing and how we live? Have you ever used the phrase, I'm at my capacity? Anybody ever used a phrase like that? Maybe you said it like, you're on my last nerve um, or something like that, or I'm redlining for all of you car enthusiasts. Uh, like we have all kinds of phrases in our language that basically mean I can't take any more, right? Like all kinds of things would pop in our head. Maybe there's something that your parents used that immediately pops in your mind. Maybe there's something that you use as a parent that immediately pops in your mind. But we use that phrase on a regular basis. And what is it communicating? It's communicating that Right now, life is full. Most of the time, it's communicating that life is full of stuff. And sometimes it's not even that it's all bad stuff. It's just stuff. Maybe there are deadlines that we have that are good deadlines, but they're deadlines. And so there's some stress there. Maybe we're anxious about something that's happening with with one of our kids or one of our grandkids or one of our parents or somebody in our family, whatever it might be, but it all kind of adds up and we're walking through that moment or that season and we just feel like we're at the limit. Like you add one more thing on my plate right now and I don't know what's gonna happen because I don't have room for that. We all have capacity. We all have capacity. The big idea for today, we are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit 
so that we become more like Jesus. We are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we become more like Jesus. That's the point. That's the point. Being filled, being empowered by the Holy Spirit happens in our life to increase our capacity to live like Jesus would live. That's the point. That's the big idea. So we've taken a look at, at who he is, what he does, and today how he lives with us. So Ephesians chapter two, Ephesians chapter two. I would encourage you, we don't have time to go through the whole chapter. I would love to just kind of go through the whole chapter because it's just gold. But I would encourage you this week, today, whenever you have a chance to spend some time in Ephesians chapter two this week, because I think it'll cement some of the things we're gonna talk about this morning. This is very much an overview. When we're talking about God, the Holy Spirit, in about 35 minutes. So this is very much an overview. I'm not gonna be able to hit everything and I'm not gonna be able to go through every verse that we need to go through, but I'm gonna give you some highlights. Okay, so the beginning of Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10, Paul lays out the gospel. He lays out the gospel and he says basically that once you were dead in your sins, once you were, you were dead in your sins and now you've been made alive by Christ. So salvation. This happened in your life. You've been made alive by grace through faith. And those of you that know the Bible well, you recognize those words and that process that takes place in our life. And it's at that moment that the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. Okay, so at that moment, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. So the first thing we're gonna look at today when we talk about how the Holy Spirit affects our daily life is the process by which he does that, all right? So the process by which he does that, okay? So at salvation, we get the Holy Spirit. He comes and he lives in our life. And we've talked about that over the last couple weeks. At salvation, we get the Holy Spirit. It's not some other step or some other thing that needs to happen. He comes and he indwells us fully at that moment. So when Paul's talking about the gospel here to, at the beginning of Ephesians chapter two, that's what he's referring to. So I wanna read verse 13. It says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he spent some time talking about how we were far away from God. And he talks about the contrast between Gentiles and Jews and how Jews were the chosen people and the Gentiles were not. But now through Christ, everyone has become one. And so that's what's going on here, okay? And so he says, through Jesus, you've been brought near. You've been brought near. But then go to verse 18. For through him, we both have access, Jews and Gentiles, which means everyone. Through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So if you're taking notes, letter A there is, I have the spirit. I have the spirit. And that verse we just read, verse 18, 
is a really cool verse for our summer series. Because in that verse, you see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you see what they are doing in salvation. Okay, so let me read it again. For through him, Jesus, we both, that's everybody now, all people, have access to the Father, God the Father, by one Spirit. So at the moment of salvation, all three are engaged in that moment. All three are engaged in that moment. It's a beautiful thing. You could say it like this, the Father is the provider of salvation, the Son is the pathway to salvation, and the Spirit is the agent of salvation. They're all participating in what's going on right there in that moment. But the key thing for us is once you have placed your faith in Christ, you are now indwelled by the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit living in you at that moment. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. So you are filled by the Holy Spirit. You are in that moment filled by the Holy Spirit. However, B, the Spirit has me. There's a contrast that Paul makes a little bit later in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter five, verses 17 through 18, he says this. Same book, same letter, same people group that he's talking to a little bit later on, he says this. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, so that's a key word for us or a key phrase for us. When we see understand what the Lord's will is, all right, I'm gonna pay attention because I would like to know what the Lord's will is. Okay, so understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's a great 2022 word, isn't it? Debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So this is three chapters later where he's already said, when you know Christ, he's already laid out the gospel and he said, when you know Christ, all three, Father, Son, and Spirit are now active in your life. So you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit in that moment that you have come to know Christ. You're filled by the Spirit. And then three chapters later to the same group of people, he says, be filled in an ongoing way, continuously with the Spirit. So what's going on here? Well, let's look at it. You ever think about why the contrast here is with alcohol and the Holy Spirit? Like that's an interesting choice, right? If you back up and you go, okay, and what? Like he's choosing alcohol and the Holy Spirit and he's contrasting the two, right? So think about that. Why is that happening there? First, obviously, first thing is it's a control thing. If you've ever been drunk, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you've ever been drunk, you know that one of the things about being drunk is a loss of control, right? Like you lose control and you have given control of your life, you've given control of your body, you've given control of yourself in those moments 
to something else, in this case, to alcohol. It has control of you. So you could substitute lots of things in there that would be control. Lots of things that would represent control. But there's a second part of it that's really interesting if you dig a little bit deeper. Drunkenness is not something that lasts forever. Like most people are aware that you get drunk one night and the next morning you have a hangover. And then at some point you start feeling a little bit better and you get back to quote unquote normal. So how do you continually stay drunk? Well, you have to continually drink, right? To stay drunk. So you have to continually drink. So not only is the, is the contrast here something that controls you, but it's contrasted with something that you have to continually do as a part of your life. So he's saying, be filled with the spirit in contrast to being filled with alcohol in both ways. One, let the spirit control you, but two, do it in an ongoing way. Keep coming back to this. Even after you have the spirit, there's a filling that takes place throughout the rest of your life. So there's a process there. You could say it like this. You'd say it like this. Each Christian has all the spirit. But the command here in Ephesians chapter five is that the spirit have all of them. Each Christian has all the spirit. But the command here, and it's a command, be filled with the spirit. So the command here is that the spirit have all of them. So what's the process for that? Well, in the life of a Christian, it goes like this. And I have a circle to show you because we are circular people. We continue to go back to the same patterns. So in my life, and I would imagine in your life, it starts with conviction. I've done something or I'm called to something, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit convicts me of something. Typically that's followed by, yeah, I didn't see that. So there's a moment of confession, there's a moment of repentance, which repentance is just basically a turning. It's a movement on my part. So I'm confessing to the Holy Spirit, I didn't see that and now I'm changing, moving. And it results in a growing capacity to live like Jesus. A growing capacity to live like Jesus. We're gonna explore this through the rest of our time together. Conviction, confession, repentance, and a growing capacity to live like Jesus. Let, let's look at a verse in 1 John chapter one. It goes to this ongoing thing. Okay, so John here is talking to people who know Jesus. He's talking to people who know Jesus. And he says to them, if we confess our sins, which we've already done at the moment of salvation, and God has saved us forever in that moment. But John, to those people, to us, to people who know Jesus says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins in an ongoing way. 
and purify us from all unrighteousness. There's an ongoing aspect to being filled by the Spirit. There's a momentary at the moment of salvation. I know Jesus, God's Spirit comes and lives in my life and I'm indwelled by the Holy Spirit now and forever. But there's also a command that we should be filled by the Spirit in an ongoing way. And there's a part of that because it's a command to us, to you and to me, where I have a part in it. I have a part in that. And so I have to participate in that filling. And so when we get to passages like 1 John, where it says, if we confess, it's instructions on how I can be filled with the Spirit. Because in those moments when I am confessing and I'm repenting, I'm inviting God in humility to change me and to make me more like him. Grow my capacity to be more like Jesus. Help me not do the thing that I've done a million times. Help me to not do it a million and one. Confession and repentance are an ongoing part of the life of a believer seeking to be filled by the Spirit. Seeking to be filled by the Spirit. Seeking to follow the command to be filled by the Spirit. So that's the process. Number two, how do we know if we actually are? What are the signs that would tell us, hey, you're being filled by the Spirit? You know, in our car, we have a gas tank and it tells us when it's empty and it tells us when it's full. So what's our gas tank? Like, how do we know? Go to verse 10 of Ephesians 2. Verse 10. Signs that my capacity to live like Christ is increasing. So this is what Paul says in, in verse 10. He says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he just says the phrase to do good works. And God has prepared them in advance for us to be part of. So we have to ask the question, what are good works? Because obviously that's a big deal because there's purpose in that, right? Like Paul is saying, after you're a Christian, after you know God and by faith through grace, you, you've placed your faith in, in Christ and now he's transforming you. And one of the reasons he's transforming you is to do good works. And God literally has prepared them for you to do ahead of time. So what are good works? Good works are encountering the world the way that Jesus would encounter the world. Looking more like Christ, acting more like Christ, loving more like Christ, living more like Christ. Like fill it in with more like Christ. That's the purpose of being filled by the Holy Spirit. So the good works are looking more like Jesus would look in this world. You could call it this, a growing Christ-likeness. A growing Christ-likeness. Paul says this in Galatians chapter five. He starts to put some, some words to it, some concrete things to it. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the evidence that I am being filled with the Spirit, the evidence that I'm being filled with the Spirit looks like this. So we might have other descriptions of what it looks like, but this is the description that God has given us. To be filled with the Spirit looks like love, joy, peace. Those are the signs. That's how we know. That's how we know. And in there, there are growing capacities. There are growing capacities. You know, God's gonna put you in situations that help you be more loving. Because that's evidence of the, the spirit filling your life. So if you pray, God, I want your spirit to fill me. I want, I want your spirit to have total control over my life. And then you are surprised when he puts you in difficult scenarios where you're asked to love something or someone that is really hard for you. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's how he grows us. So take it like this. So let's take love, for instance. We'll drill into that one for a second. So loving our family. We all have a capacity to love our family, right? You know when they get on the last nerve. But for most of us, loving our family is not incredibly difficult. There are some days where it, it might be difficult, but most of those days are not, I don't love them anymore. Most of those days are, it's a tough day, right? So there's a capacity and it's probably, it doesn't take a whole lot for us to love our family. So I've got that as the smallest bucket, okay? So loving our family, there's a capacity there. When it tips over, I struggle with that. But you know, I don't need a whole lot of capacity to love my family. The next one is loving our neighbors. That might take a little bit more. That might take a little bit more. You know, because with my family, I can do that. With my, my neighbors, I've got to be a little more intentional in that way. I've got to reach out. And so, with our family, a lot of times it's reactionary love. How do I respond in a given situation? With our neighbors, it's more proactive. How am I gonna pursue out of kindness? How am I gonna pursue out of love? How am I gonna pursue out of peace? How am I gonna pursue out of patience? So it might take a little more capacity to love our neighbors. So I have a, had an experience in my life when we were living in Ohio. I was a, a youth pastor. And one morning, back when I could, I walked into a donut shop. Now it's not a good idea. Um, but in those days, it was fine. Um, so I walked into a donut shop called Bill's Donuts. And it was, I mean, if you're ever in, in Centerville, Ohio, and get a chance to go to Bill's Donuts, it's worth your trip out of the way. Um, fantastic donuts. And so I walk in, and, and I'm on my way to the church. I'm actually on my way to the church and I'm on my way to a meeting. And so I had enough time to stop and get a donut on my way because it's right on the path, which is bad, um, but right on the path. And so, and be on time for the meeting. So I'm standing in line at the donut shop and it sticks out to me today, just like it happened yesterday. Standing in line at the donut shop and there are booths along the wall behind me. And there's a guy sitting there and he's wearing a green hat, like a beanie, green, green beanie. And he looks a little disheveled, 
And there was something inside of me, the voice inside of me, whatever you want to say, it wasn't audible, but, but something that said, hey, you need to go sit down and talk to that guy. And I immediately started arguing with this voice in my head. I don't know that you've ever done that, but it happens to me often. So I start arguing with this voice in my head and it's, no, nah, I got a meeting I got to get to. And man, I just, there's no way I'm going to make it. And, and back and forth, back and forth. And it just like, like almost was overwhelming. And I did not sit down and talk to that gentleman. I got my donut, I walked out the door, I went to my meeting and the rest of the day just felt bad. Man, I missed an opportunity. So God uses moments where he asks us to respond. He asks us to respond. And then he uses moments where we don't have a choice. He says, I'm gonna put you in this situation whether you like it or not. But all of it, is designed to help us grow our capacity to live like Jesus. So in that moment, I struggled with this one. Loving my neighbor. And maybe he would have looked at me and said, I don't wanna talk. But I was not obedient. I struggled with this one in that moment. So my capacity for loving my neighbors reached the limit when I had a meeting on the calendar. That was it, spilled over. So we're called to take that step. But then the biggest one for a lot of us is loving our enemies. I would pick it up, but I'm not that strong. Loving our enemies. So the capacity to live like Jesus includes all of these. And so part of my growth process, as the Spirit is filling me in an ongoing way, one of the evidences in my life is, am I more loving? Can I look back and see moments where I've loved even the people that hate me? even the people that hate me. And I don't know about you, but for me, maybe the worst one, this person that cut me off in traffic. <laughs> but there's a capacity that grows throughout our life as the Spirit fills us. As the Spirit fills us. So the signs in our life, am I more loving? Can I look back over the last six months? Can I look back over the last year? And can I see growth in those areas? Am I willing to confess and repent when I'm not loving people that fall into that category in my life? Have I gotten there yet? The fruit of the Spirit the signs that the Spirit is filling us. The signs that the Spirit is filling us. So God fills us, he indwells us, but he also gives us tools. So there's a process, there are signs, and then there are tools that we have as we navigate this life. And I'm gonna give you two quickly. 
The first one, the gifts of the Spirit. We're told throughout the New Testament in various places that people who know Jesus are given gifts. They're given gifts. Certain supernatural skills, in other words, that are part of our life, that come from God. And as we go into the next year, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that, in particular in January. We're looking forward to delving into how are we wired and how, how has God made us diverse as people with spiritual gifts. So those are tools in our life as we seek to navigate this world. And he's given them to us individually, but even better than that, he's given them to us collectively as a church. So it goes beyond me and it includes us. It includes us. Ephesians chapter four, just a couple chapters over, which is where we'll be this coming year, says this, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. In other words, there, there are differences among us and those are healthy and needed and on purpose. And we'll dive into that a little bit more this year. So the gifts of the spirit. The second thing there is a new people group. God's given us a new people group. The moment that you are saved, the moment that you trust Christ as your savior and you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, not only are you indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but now you are part of a people group that God is putting together. You're part of a church. And it's not because you showed up at the door this morning and walked in and sat here in these chairs that you're part of the church. It's because you know Jesus that you're part of the church. Bible Center is one local church of many. The kingdom is so much bigger than one local gathering, but it's also not smaller than one local gathering. And so you're part of something huge and something supernatural and something that God is building. Look at verse 22 of Ephesians 2. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. So there's a God's spirit in you and there's a God's spirit in me. And when we come together on the weekend or we come together in a group or we do coffee together or whatever it is, it's God's spirit in me meeting God's spirit in you. And there's something supernatural and glorious about that moment because God is building us together to a temple that he will inhabit not just individually. So he's not just inhabiting us individually across this room, but he's here with us all in this moment. His presence is here right now. And so it's a beautiful tool as a part of our journey to become more like Christ. Why throughout the New Testament are we encouraged to gather together? It's because that's what happens when we do. God's spirit is among us and we're changed and we grow and we're challenged, not just by the preaching of the word, but by each other. And so it's necessary, just like confession and repentance are necessary, gathering with other believers who also are indwelled by the spirit is necessary because God's at work. He's doing something Amazing. So we talk a lot 
about capacity. We've talked a lot about over the past several months about how God is sovereign over life and he's sovereign over experiences that we have and encounters that we have. Now I'd say to you again, the big idea for today, everything that's being done, it's being done to make us more like Christ. Being filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit is to make us more like Christ, more dependent on Christ. So the last couple of years have been hard. I think we'd all acknowledge that. They've been different for sure, but they've also been hard. And for a lot of us, we've been walking around at capacity just by the normal everyday stuff because they've been hard. It's been hard for me. It's been hard for me. The last couple of years have been hard. How do you steer a church through a pandemic? Well, I looked for books on Amazon and they didn't have any. So you just, you just go and you depend. But those days are hard. The last six months have been hard. Been hard on our staff, been hard on our church. They've been hard. So a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of at my limit and I knew it. You know, you know it when you're there. Um, you can feel it. And you're, if you're like me, you're nervous that you're gonna say something you shouldn't say to the wrong person and all those things. But I was at my limit. I was, I was there. And Thursday morning, a couple weeks ago, Thursday morning, I got a phone call. And on the other end of the line was one of my girls screaming into the phone. It was the phone call you never wanna get. Screaming into the phone. Dad, 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 like, I need you, I need you, I need you. We're trying to get through it. What is it that happened? She was in a car wreck, car accident. I'm not with her, which is worse. Luckily, I was 10 minutes away and drove too fast to get to where she was. She got creamed, I mean, creamed. But I walk up or on the scene and she's out and standing and gave her a hug and she's okay. She's okay. The adrenaline of the moment kind of took over and you know, you remember parts of that and you don't remember other parts of that, but you're just, you're trying to be in the moment. You're trying to be present. You're trying to also be dad, but you're also trying to think through logistically, what do I need to do right now? And craziest experience I've ever been in. The next morning, Friday, this would have been Friday morning, I just broke. It was probably the lowest that I've been since I can remember. And it was capacity. Let me add something else in. I just broke. Didn't have any more room for anything. And so I went through lots of stuff. I, I went through lots of conversations with God. Some of them were yelling, some of them were crying. Some of them were questions. What are you doing? Normally I'm a silver lining, look at the positive. I was struggling to find the positive. I was in the world of why are you beating, beating me down right now? 
my wife was worried about me. She said, are you telling anybody that you're not okay? I said, okay, I will. So I called some friends. Drop of a hat, they met me, hung out. Two days later, we called some other friends. Drop of a hat, yes, we're there. And I'm doing better. But still, right at that edge. God uses experiences in our life to make us more like Jesus. Even when we don't know why, even when we don't have answers to why, even when we don't even know what questions to ask in many cases. And in that case, it actually drove me to people who love Jesus and love me. So he's given us the process, the spirits in you, the spirits in me, not only at the moment of salvation, but in an ongoing way. He's given us the tools and he's put us and made us part of this people group that we're all part of. And he's given us the signs. Am I more loving? Am I more patient? Am I more peaceful? And he says, lean in. Lean in and watch me fill you and empower you to live in this world more and more like Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment that we can be together. We thank you for that promise that you're with us, that this is not just a get together of people, but this is a supernatural gathering where your spirit is among us. And we pray that these moments have shaped and changed and molded us more into the image of Christ. That we would walk out of this room more like him than when we walked in. That as we encounter life, as we go through this week, that you would use those encounters to make us more like Jesus. We'll give you the praise and the glory because you're worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center. 